0: Father I pray that you be with us uh this morning as I as I bring the word I pray that you would help me to be faithful uh help me to to just share the treasures that are in your that are in your word help me to be faithful uh um not let myself get in the way lord I pray that that um just your spirit would move and speak to folks who are here and I pray lord that you would be with people who are here help their hearts to be just uh soil ready to ready to receive your word lord and to be watered uh, by your spirit I pray that you would um, just give us grace that, that nothing, nothing would get in the way of that. Not, not me, not, not feelings that, that we're frustrated or angry or, or life is in the way or we're busy or worrying about what might happen later today for lunch or, or whatever, Lord. Whatever busyness and, and headache gets in the way of, of us hearing from you and knowing you, I pray, the Lord, that you would just take it and, and bring it out of this place. Um, um, just give us your grace this morning as we, as we hear from you. In Jesus' name, Amen. We are uh continuing to work through First Corinthians uh fifteen specifically and this is sort of a follow up from Easter. Uh and before I dive into it, I uh I wanted to talk for a moment. Um um the yesterday I, I spent a big chunk of my day at a branding. Um and and this morning as a like the first time I did this was six years ago and I, I remember doing it and feeling good the next day and, and this morning I got up and my back hurt. And and my my legs hurt and my shoulders kind of hurt and my neck hurts and and I, I I put in this you know this day of chasing around and wrestling with cows and and uh, uh, I I feel a lot older than I did six years ago. Um, although uh, one one of the things though that that pleased me about yesterday, like I um, I go to the gym every morning for about an hour. I spend I spend an hour running or lifting weights or. Or doing whatever, and, and, and I don't lose weight because my diet is terrible. Um, and so there's almost no point in going, except that, um, somebody commented yesterday on how the young folks looked like they were dragging. And, and I wasn't. (laughs) I'm not talking about any young folks in particular, Daniel. Um, but, (laughs) but, (laughs) you got engaged, I have to pick on you. Like, it's, it's the law. Like, it's in the bylaws of the church. I, <laughs> um the but but all right so like you don't you don't get up or you don't go to the gym because it's fun right i mean some people might but those people are insane and and need medicine um you go because you get a benefit out of it you put the effort in you put the time in you wear yourself out you sweat you you know you do all this stuff because there's a benefit um because because at the end of the day like for 99% of the population, like, it's just not fun. Like, it, it's not. And waking up sort of the next day and having to eat weird food so that you can keep going and all of this other stuff, it's not fun. Um, as we work our way into this passage that we're looking at this week, Paul is talking about the resurrection. He's been talking about it over and over again. And we're, we're kind of working our way through, like, this set of arguments, kind of Paul style, because Paul was thorough. Paul was this Greek uh, trained, like Jew, who, who understood argumentation and was very thorough and worked through arguments in a very systematic way. And what he's doing here is he's kind of coming up on the end of this series of arguments. And he, again, very thoroughly, very carefully, very methodically working his way through. And, and you know, a little background here as we, you know, some of you all have been here, some of you all haven't. Um, this First Corinthians letter is kind of a grab bag book, right? Where most of Paul's letters aim at a particular target or he's trying to address a particular issue. Um this is kind of the like where Paul got a collection of questions and he addresses all of them in one book. And the big overriding issue that all of the other questions are connected to is this resurrection thing. And he sort of shows his hand at this point. Um this church like they've had all kinds of like problems with moral issues and people doing some things that maybe they shouldn't be, in conflict, and everything else. Like, all of this mess that they've been dealing with, it's all, like, rooted in this question of whether or not people are raised from the dead. And, and so, so far in this section, Paul has talked about, like, all of these folks saw Jesus raised from the dead. You know, Peter, and, and James, and the disciples, and 500 people in this city, and all of the apostles. And, I mean, he starts naming off witnesses. He says, listen, we're not just making this up. People saw it happen. And, um, and he's made the point several times, look, I saw it, and I'm living my life like I saw it. And this is kind of the culmination of this argument. Um, this church probably, um, it's the case, like we don't always know what the different, like, teachings that have sort of infiltrated. But these are probably, like, this is a church that's probably dealing with what's called Gnosticism. Um, And this would be very early Gnosticism, like like um, and what that is, is these are people who took sort of the Roman mystery religions and they glued them together to the Jewish like Christian faith. And they they made it all one because it made it more popular for folks who, you know, weren't Christians like they you get the Romans to show up if they thought it was Gnosticism. It was it was the popular thing of the day. Um, And so. He, uh, Paul is, has been attacking this, he's been addressing it, and, and the first verse here is one of the hardest passages in the New Testament, mainly because nobody can agree what it means. So like, I'm going to forewarning here, we're going to dive into a really hard bit of text um, right out of the gate, and I, I've been back and forth on whether or not, well, what I was going to do with it, but well, let's, let's get into it. Um, now, so this is Paul again, now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And we're going to hit pause here and say, all right, what's going on? Because we don't really know, okay? It's one of those texts that um, is super contextual. Like what we're reading here is, I, for example, if you go into my wife's office, there's a drawer, like a file drawer, that is full of letters I've written her, right? And I'll, I'll write her. You know, I try to write love letters every once in a while. Sometimes I get lazy, and sometimes I don't do them as often. Sometimes I do them all the time. And, and if you started reading them, not all of them are going to make much sense to y'all, right? Because they're letters between a husband and a wife. You know, and, and we've known each other forever, so there are little inside jokes. Or like, oh, you know, remember that time? And without explanation, you're, you're kind of at a loss. And this is one of those times we're not sure what, what they're talking about. One of the, like, all right, there are a handful of theories. I'm going to give you the theories. Is that fair? All right. One of the most popular is that the plain reading is straight up. Like, this church group, they were getting baptized for people who had died. Like, that guy didn't get baptized, I'll get baptized for him, right? There's no record in the early church of this being a common practice, except there's a fellow named Tertullian who was an early church father and another guy um who is also one of the early church fathers, but his name escapes me at the moment. Um, th- these two guys record that early Gnostics did this. where They're like, oh, that guy died. I'll get baptized for him, and it'll get him forgiven. Because there's this whole weird magical thing that goes on. Like, they believe, like, if you're baptized, it means you're going to heaven. And so I'll get baptized for that guy that died, and he'll go to heaven. Baptism isn't magic. Everybody with me? Like, and you don't get saved after you're dead. Like, like, two big things here. You don't get saved after you're dead. And, like, you don't get baptized and, like, oh, look, I got washed, and so now I'll go to heaven. That's um, just not how it works. We're saved by following Jesus. We're saved by belonging to Christ. Like, that is what saves us. That is it. That is the core of the gospel message. There is no... One way or the other about it, like it's not something you can earn, or you gotta be holy enough, or you gotta do the right rituals, you gotta say the right words in the right place, none of that stuff, right? Like you are saved because you belong to Jesus, and Jesus died and was punished for your sins, and you are forgiven. That is the wholeness of what Christians believe. Now, it's probably the case, like the plainest reading of this, and it's the most popular theory, is that these guys were doing this, and Paul has argued with them in the past, and he's saying, hey, you guys are saying there's no resurrection of the dead, which would, you know, because they're saying, well, once you're dead, you go to the spirit heaven, not a physical raised from the dead going to heaven. And he's saying, listen, you guys, you're saying this and you're practicing this and they don't even make sense together. you know, like, why would you even bother baptizing somebody who's dead if they ain't coming back? That's the popular one. Um, another popular theory is like the way that the Greek was written. So like we like anybody know what an Oxford comma is. <laughs> an oxford comma is a grammatical like like idiosyncrasy it is like this this we we enjoy things like commas and periods right and exclamation marks and question marks these are fun and they're useful they also weren't invented then along with spaces between words which were also not invented then. When Paul wrote this, it was all capital letters. It was like an angry guy on the internet, and <laughs> and there were no spaces between the words. So it was also an angry guy who didn't know how to type. And it was like like so. There is an art to translating Greek. There is. It's it's it just is what it is. Um, one of the pro- prominent theories is um, what he's saying is listen. Why would you be baptized? question mark, right? Because the question mark is sort of an English translation. So why would you be baptized? If you're dead and the dead are not raised at all, why be baptized at all is the alternate read on this. Again, that's a pretty strong read. Um, There's also the possibility that um, Paul is saying, listen, I am living a life where I'm as good as dead. Why, Why be baptized when I preach to you? Um, there's five or six more. None of them are really strong. It's a big question mark. Everybody with me? Um, the long and short of it is, and this is the important thing: we may not be able to figure out exactly what Paul is referring to and what the context of the conversation is. Um, in fact, I commented on that. Uh, I actually comment on that frequently, where I'll walk up in the middle of a conversation. And I'll say, "You know what? That one sentence in seclusion makes this the weirdest conversation ever." And it might make sense in the context. But, like, if you just hear one line, it's it's insane. You all get what I'm saying? That's this. Okay, so what Paul is doing here, listen. Like, the, the the underlying message, though, is hard to miss. Like Like, the underlying message is, guys, why would you be baptized if death is death? Right? Like, we know Paul preached that, like, baptism is symbolic of being buried with Christ and resurrecting a new person on the other side. Right? Like, there's this... This like heavy symbolism associated with like there's all this stuff. It's in Romans. It's a great book. I highly recommend you read it Um, like like he says. Listen, all of this symbolism is there. All of this stuff is there. But if people don't rise from the dead, what's the point of doing this baptism burial thing raised from the grave a new creation? Like what's the point of all that? There isn't a point. Y'all get me. It's a little like why go to the gym if you don't lose weight. Why go to the gym if you don't get fitter? Why go to the gym if you don't? I, I've got a good friend on uh, on Twitter who I'm always picking on because she posts pictures of herself at the gym, right? And I, I Hannah Anderson, I used to tease her about that too. I'd, I'd be at the gym and she'd show up, and the first thing she'd do is drink her latte and take ten pictures of herself. i was like, well, did you really come here to take pictures of yourself and drink lattes? And she, obviously she was exercising, but I, you gotta pick on Hannah. Um, (Laughter) And I hope she watches the sermons. I'll know now. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) But but the point is, like, Paul is asking this question. What's the point if it doesn't turn into something else, right? If you're not going to be resurrected, if Christ wasn't resurrected, if there is no resurrection at the end of time like the Bible, like, you know, all the rabbis, like Jesus himself, like the apostles are preaching, if none of that stuff happens, why bother, right? Right? Like, why bother? Um, There's no point if you take it all away. It's like going to the gym and not getting fitter. What's the point? I get to brag about going to the gym in front of a group of people, but that only goes so far. Um, And you don't get to do it very often. Um, Thank you for not. (laughs) So why would you be baptized if you're not raised? Um, He goes on, he said, and as for us. Why do we endanger ourselves every hour? And now Paul steps back and says, listen, I am out here. I am doing the work. I am living in fear. You want to read a hard bit of text, jump to the end of 2 Corinthians, and Paul lists off every rotten thing that's happened to him while he's out preaching, right? Like Paul talks about being shipwrecked and spending a day and night on the open ocean. Man, if I do that, I better be getting something on the other side, right? Right? Um, he talks about being beaten with rods. He talks about being stoned once. Um, he talks about not, you know, like hit with rocks until anyway. Um, he, he talks about like Paul talks about all the, I've been whipped, I've been, you know, beaten, I've been homeless, I've been hungry, I've been naked, I've been afraid, I've been in danger on the road, I've been in danger here, I've been in danger there. And I'm doing all of this stuff because I have this hope that in eternity I'll be with Christ. Right. And Paul is basically building on this. He's like, listen. Why would I bother doing all this if the resurrection didn't happen? Now, this is a strong argument. It may not, like you could say, well, well, how do, you know, you're... but Paul saw Jesus raised from the dead, right? And in fact, actually in Acts, there's this great, I stood in the spot where he did it, which is kind of cool. In um, uh, Caesarea on the Sea is a city. There are ruins there now, right? And you can go. It's one of the most complete sets of ruins in Israel. You can go and stand in the palace where where Paul was like tried and he argues with um, uh, Felix, I think. And he says, listen, I was the worst enemy the Christians had. I, I persecuted. I arrested. I, I you know jailed. I did all of this stuff. And now I'm out here in jail in chains for the same message they were preaching. Like, that's got to count for something. you got to believe me here. And Paul is saying, believe me, I saw Jesus raised. I am pouring myself out. I am living my life like this. This is true. Um, it always strikes me as funny when I meet somebody who, golly, i got to be careful how I say this, um, when I meet somebody who is eating a sandwich and telling me about how gluten will kill you, right, or, or a doctor who, who is smoking a cigarette and telling me about the dangers of cigarettes. You all with me? If it's true, why are you doing it, Right? Paul is a guy who is not just walking the walk, but he's walking the walk unto death. Like, this is a guy who is, you know, he would have been a rabbi at the time. Like, Paul was a Pharisee. He's very well educated. He was studying under a a prominent rabbi, actually a very prominent rabbi. Um, Paul was in a spot to be very comfortable for the rest of his life, and he threw it all in the fire and, like, preached Christ. Like, and, And he's pointing to this as his proof. Guys, I'm out here endangering my life. Why would I do this if I wasn't going to be raised? Why would I do it if there's no resurrection? Why, why, why? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ, our Lord. And so Paul falls back, and he does this with the Corinthians twice. He does it in 2 Corinthians as well, where what he brags about is not how awesome he is. He brags about like the people around him who have known christ and he brags about christ himself and that's it paul says listen it's not my strength it's not my this it's not my that like like it is christ jesus in me and christ jesus in you like this is the thing that matters and why does it matter because there's a resurrection because we are raised because death is not the end of the the end of the road it's not and we don't Show up in some spiritual version where we sit on a cloud with wings and everything else like the Bible talks about physical resurrection of the dead um, If you go to jerusalem and i've talked about this a few times since i've been there because it was so impressive to me um, The ancient jews believed so seriously and actually the modern jews believe this too So seriously in the resurrection when the messiah comes That If you go to jerusalem where the east gate is that the messiah is going to walk through and jesus already did on uh, palm sunday um, The hillsides are blanketed I mean, it is like carpet. They're covered with grave sites. Because there's this convinced idea when you know the Messiah comes or when Jesus comes back, these guys will be the first ones to rise from the dead. And they'll all stand up as the Messiah goes by and goes in the gate and all this. I mean, like, like this is core to what the Jewish folks believed. And these guys have abandoned it. And he's saying, listen, the only thing worth bragging about, you know, I face death every day, and you know I do. And what I brag about in the end is, Christ Jesus and you. Um, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus um, with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? All right. And this is another weird one, right? Like a lot of argument about what he means. Um, Paul was a Roman citizen, right? Which was a big feather in his cap. It meant that he couldn't be crucified. Yeah, they cut his head off in the end instead. It was a, a pretty good deal, apparently. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but. Because Paul was a Roman citizen, he could not be fed to wild animals in the arena. It was against the law. Roman citizens were protected against being fed to lions. You know, it's again, citizenship had its privileges, I suppose. Um so Paul says, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. This phrase, if you read like Hellenistic literature, like which is sort of the Greek literature of the time, it was the prominent type of style of writing and all this, like the It's very prominent at the time. Like people would say things like fighting wild beasts or facing wild animals. And it's usually a reference to like folks who are um evil opposition, right? And if we read about Ephesus in Acts and in like the book of Ephesians and stuff like that, like Paul's time there, he was there three years. Paul had a hard time there. And Paul like did not have an easy time. Like he was persecuted and he was abused and he faced opposition. And so Paul's saying here, listen why would I spend three hard years fighting against heretics and against these evil people, like, and against, like, immoral folks and all this? Like, why would I put my life at risk if I have nothing to gain? Um, there's a great movie. I, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, End of the Spear. Um, any of y'all heard of this one? It came out a few years ago. It's the story of, uh, missionaries where, um, these missionaries flew by, like, like, Uh, cub plane i don't know and and to preach to this tribe and and they were immediately murdered upon arriving to preach and then years and years later the guys these these men their children come and preach the gospel to these folks and actually like at the like highlight point of the movie um they're they're taken to the site where the plane was and the this missionary's daughter is with the man who murdered her father and she he's ask for forgiveness and she forgives him. And, and like, like I mean, it's this powerful, powerful moment. And you start looking at this and saying, like, why would you go somewhere, like, to preach to folks who killed your dad? I mean, unless you believe this isn't all there is, right? Because that kind of thing only makes sense if you're going to see dad in eternity. That sort of thing only makes sense if you believe in the mission that dad took on. Um, Paul is saying, what I did in Ephesus, the work I did there, the danger I endured, the hardship I faced, it only makes sense if there's a resurrection. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. This is um, a double reference Paul is breaking out. This is Isaiah actually uses this quote, um, and it sort of expressed this like, hey, what's the point? If Jesus wasn't raised, if there's no hope in eternity... Let's party because that's all there is. Uh, y'all know the common word phrase now. That's the one. YOLO, right? Or carpe diem, which is much smarter than YOLO, which isn't all that hard. Um, <laughs> or, or a lot more common but a lot less realized. It's my bucket list, right? Because I got to get all this stuff done before I die because that's all there is, right? In reality, Paul is throwing this out as an irony. Hey, what's the point of preaching the gospel at all if the dead are not raised? If we don't come back, if we're not like embedded with hope in eternity, if Christ wasn't raised, if none of this stuff is true, we might as well party because there's no point. Why be moral? Why go to the gym if I'm not going to get any thinner or fitter, right? What's the point? It's hard work for nothing. Um... But Paul is throwing this out there because it's not the case. He's also about to clench his argument, which is really, really sharp if you, if you catch what he's doing. He is writing a church where people are, like, going nuts and doing, like, crazy stuff to each other. They're holding grudges, and there's all kinds of sexual immorality, and there's all kinds of, like, other wickedness. I mean, it is a church that is, like, just all over the map. Um, and struggling with moral issues and struggling with bad teaching coming in and all this. And he's like, hey, guys, if the dead aren't raised, then you're probably right. Go ahead and do whatever you want because there's no point anyway. Like, there's no hope in tomorrow. You might as well do all this nutty stuff. Um, and the clincher is do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character, meaning you guys had it nailed down. You knew what you were doing. You were going in the right direction, and you started – Started throwing it to the wayside. Like, Gnosticism didn't become popular in the church because it was a great set of teachings. Actually, you want a really entertaining bit of, like, reading time? Sit down and read about Gnosticism. It is colorful. Like, I I listened to a lecture on it a few years ago, and I had to stop it a few times to laugh because it's just so colorful. Like, I mean, you you listen to it, and it's like, man, this is is out there. Like, it is really out there. Um, But there were folks who came along and said, hey, what if we do this? What if we can be more popular? What if we can make the church grow and all we have to do is sacrifice our core message? It's okay. Well, it's not okay. And Paul says it. Listen, bad company corrupts good character. These folks were not falling into, they were not falling into all of this like like bad behavior, all of this sinful behavior, all of this rebellion, all of this like brokenness. They weren't falling into it because like people were saying, hey, come on down to the temple and visit the temple prostitutes with us they weren't doing that what happened was they'd given up on eternity they'd given up on the truth of the gospel they were not going somewhere and they had stopped going somewhere and so they were wandering does that make sense like i uh i i love visiting uh the bitses um and actually my favorite part of branding sunday is is that like 30 minutes afterwards, because I usually walk um, from the, the corral to the house. And I enjoy the fresh air. And I, Yesterday I enjoyed the wind. And I, I enjoy eight-mile bench off in the distance. I enjoy the sound of the birds and the cows. And, I mean, I enjoy that. And it is a 30-minute, like, mile-ish walk, you know, maybe a little further. Um, but it's a nice walk. And I usually go right there. I visited them with nothing to do and gone walking. And I've gotten lost wandering around. Right? It is amazing how if you're not going anywhere in particular, it is really easy just to get lost. Because you're not aiming at anything in particular. Mind you, aiming at nothing, you'll hit it every time. But you'll never hit anything worth shooting for. Right? And that's what's going on in this church. These people are aiming at nothing. They're driving after nothing. And because of that, like everything that they were living before was falling apart. Like nobody nobody thought, man, I have to grow spiritually so I can be mature in eternity with Christ. I have to know Christ better because I'm gonna spend forever with him. I've got to pursue like righteousness so that I can be in right relationship, so I can be found like like right before our God when the resurrection happens. Like I have to do these things. These are important. And they stopped doing it and it's like, well, it doesn't matter. I know enough, I'm set. I've grown enough, I'm set. I've nailed down this basic stuff. I got my baptism certificate. I finished this, I finished that. I am done. No more running the race. I'm going to enjoy myself. And they'd grown spiritually flabby in the process. And in the process of spiritually dying. And Paul calls them out. Hey, like, Pulling all this bad theology and pulling in all this bad teaching, believing lies is wrecking your character. Come back to your senses as you ought. Um, it's often translated sober up. <laughs> Which, honestly, like it can be read two ways wake up, right? Wake up, or like stop being drunk. <laughs> and the Greek's a little ambiguous, but I like both of them, right? Like, wake up. Any of y'all ever fall asleep instead of doing something important, like, phys- like literally or figuratively? You know, like, I, for example, I mentioned love letters. I know when I write love letters to my wife, my marriage is happier. I think the last time I wrote one has been probably three or four months, right? You know why? Because I fall asleep. <laughs> and I stop doing things that are important. Um, it's easy to fall asleep. It's easy to, like, give into like, our, our flesh because it's, because it's easy, honestly. It is easy to stop pursuing Christ. It is easy to stop forgiving. It is easy to stop praying for people who mess with you, right? You all know what I'm talking about? Like the guy who you work with who drives you nuts or the guy sitting over there who drives you nuts or, you know, the person who lives in your house who drives you nuts who you're not praying for every day, who you're not forgiving actively, who you're not serving because they're driving you nuts. Like this is all Sermon on the Mount stuff. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Love that passage. Love that section. Read it. Apply it. But you can fall asleep and stop doing it. Right? The drunk version of this, man, I can't believe I said that in a sermon. Uh, <laughs> the drunk version of this is, like, if, I, golly, none of us would have experienced this. But have you ever watched someone who was drunk trying to accomplish anything? Um, just no, just observational. But they, they get sloppy in how they do things, and they get uncoordinated, and they can't quite make their way through motions. And sometimes they break things worse than they fix them. And sometimes, and like part of what Paul is talking about is about like sort of a drunk spirituality where they've lost sight of what it means to follow Jesus, and so they're doing whatever. Um, I I read a a series of articles about a church in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, where the guy, the pastor, he kind of came to repentance and, like, changed his direction, but he, he really wasn't talking about Jesus. Like, it wasn't about Jesus. It was a church that was about growing, and, like, one of the things that they did was, like, every Sunday their music was whatever was in top 40, They didn't sing praise songs, they didn't talk about Jesus, they didn't talk about God, they didn't talk about any of that. They sang popular songs because it got people to show up. And a lot of the comments from visitors, oh, this didn't feel like a church at all, it felt like a rock concert. (laughs) <laughs> okay, it's because that's all it is. Like, it's, And I'm not saying, don't, don't hear me saying that we can't enjoy music. I love music. I love worshiping God with good music. I don't like bad music. Like, I want us to enjoy ourselves. I think it's okay to laugh while we're hearing about Jesus. I think it's okay to pick on each other like brothers and sisters in Christ, right? It is fine to be family and enjoy it. It just is. Um, but that church is a good example of this, where they've lost sight of where they're going and they're working their way through a drunk version of Christianity. Where it's not sharp and it doesn't make sense. And it's kind of meandering and wandering and stumbling. We can't live that way. Right? That's an extreme example. You want to see less extreme examples. Watch people fight over the color of the carpet. Right? Watch people. It's some, i got a couple of faces. I'll explain it. Um, And this this church, actually, in fact, like 50 years ago, there was a, a big, like, conflict, a heated conflict over what color this carpet should be. And I think the carpet that got put in it is in a landfill somewhere, and this is different carpet, right? But arguing about the color of the carpet is drunk spirituality. It's not about Jesus, Right. Um, arguing about, like, there's so many things churches and people argue about. So many, like, I'm gonna take this offense and I'm gonna hold it to myself, and this is a salvation issue that the carpet is orange and not red, because that's what Paul wanted. I mean, it's drunk spirituality, it's not Christian. Um, what we are here for, folks, we're here to draw closer to Jesus, we're here to pursue Christ, we're here to share the gospel with people who are drowning in our culture, right? We're starving to death for something bigger and better. Um, We are here to help each other grow. We're here to glorify Christ by watching the people, you know, by helping the people around us grow spiritually. We're here to glorify Christ by spreading the gospel. We're here to, like, like, be God's people and the body of Christ in this world. Like, that is a sharp, directed mission, right? It's not something we do for fun. This is a lifestyle. It is who we are. It is not a hobby. I have hobbies. My wife often picks on me that I collect hobbies. Because um, I, I do something and then I get bored with it and I move on to something else. This is not a hobby, folks. This is who we are. We are followers of Christ. We are moving in a direction. We are growing. We are lifting others up. We are holding on to each other. When, when we struggle, we're being honest about it. I cannot tell you how many, actually men in particular, but people in general I've talked to over the years who are dying inside for something that is just like like weighing them down and, and they will not say a word about it to anyone else. Um, when I was, I was working in a church, when I kind of fell apart spiritually, I've talked about this many times. I know I, oh gosh, you could talk about it again. Um, but it's because I could never tell anyone because I was more concerned about what people thought I looked like than who I actually was before Christ. Like, that's drunk spirituality. It's chasing after something that's nonsense and doesn't matter. I can look awful, but if I'm right with Christ, that's what matters. Right? Um, my challenge to you, and it's actually Paul's challenge. I'm not even doing anything that he's not. So, like, like look at your life and ask yourself, am I, am I going somewhere? Or am I stumbling through all of this stuff? Am I asleep at the wheel today? Like, am I growing spiritually? Am I forgiving people when it's hard You know, am am I allowing my ego or my my feelings to dominate what I'm doing? Um, Or am I pursuing God's word as the centerpiece of who I am? Like, do I glorify God or am I enjoying myself? Not that you can't do both. (laughs) Quick disclaimer, you can do both. But, like, glorifying God is our number one. Number one with a bullet. Number one more important than anything else. Like, Jesus Christ crucified Am I aiming for eternity and am I going to be fit when I show up? Right? Am I going to be the guy at the resurrection out of breath because I haven't done a spiritual bit of work, you know, to grow or to get healthier or to mature at all? Like, am I going to show up and not be ready? And I close in prayer and I'll, I'll let y'all go. Um, Heavenly Father, <sighs> Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would be moving in us this morning. I pray that, that you would challenge us to chase after you, Lord. That, that the crazy things that, that get in the way, the crazy bad teachings that, that infect our minds, the things that cause us to lose focus on the resurrection. I mean, literally, the fact that we are new people in Christ, um, that, that we have an identity in Christ that is, that is core to who we are and what we're created to be, Lord. Help us to focus on that above all else. Help us to chase after that above all else. Help us to be that above all else, Lord. Um, I want us to glorify God and run the race you set before us. Amen.